Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Over the years, we have often used uh, the summer months, June, July, and August, to go through one of the Apostle Paul's letters like Philippians or Colossians, verse by verse, sometimes one of the other shorter New Testament books such as James. But this year, we're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to go to the Old Testament, and we're going to work our way through the book of Daniel. Hopefully, all of you got one of these. It says, Daniel putting God first, a study guide. It looks very much like the connection today. In fact, they look pretty much exactly the same on the cover. Is there anybody who didn't get one of these? Because if you didn't and you want to have one, an usher will bring it to you right now. All right, so either you all got one or you don't want one, that's okay. So if you would open this up with me, pages one to five, basically our introductory material. We're going to skip over that. We're going to turn right to page six. And on page six, what you see is Daniel 1, deja vu all over again. Okay, that is the chapter, Daniel 1, is the chapter we're going to look at today. And the deja vu all over again is the title of today's message. So every week you're going to have Daniel 1, Daniel 2, there will be a title. And then after that is the take-home point and the commitment. For those of you who are here for the very first time, the take-home point is the big idea of the message. It's the one idea that we're going to focus on. Hopefully you'll take it home, I'll take it home, we'll think about it, pray about it, and live it out in the week ahead. And then the commitment is so that we'll actually do something about the information that we're receiving. Here at New Life, we have a couple of formulas we use. One of them says information minus application equals information. It's just information. But information plus application equals transformation. Our goal here at New Life is not just to learn what the Bible says. It is important for us to do that. But also to apply it in our lives day by day. That So over time, we will become more and more like Jesus. We'll grow up into those adults that we talked about at the end of our series uh, last week called Changes That Heal. And then after the commitment, you'll see the text. And it's all of chapter 1. And we're going to go through one chapter of Daniel every week. Now that's an ambitious project. Today it's only 21 verses. That's sort of a manageable bite for us to take, you know, chew up and, and, and go through. But uh, next week Pastor Mark has a more challenging job. He's going to preach on chapter 2, which has 49 verses. So I'm really glad he's preaching instead of me. But anyway, so we have the passage. And after the passage it says, message notes. And you'll see that on the bottom of page 7 if you turn over on the top of page 8. So you can take some notes if you'd like to. And then also, if you look in your connection, ordinarily, there will be another uh, message outline with some blanks in it. So you have the opportunity to take notes here, the opportunity to take notes here. And we know some of you won't take notes anywhere, but challenged by choice, that's okay. You don't have to. But if you want to, there will be the opportunity to take this information home. And why is that important? Because if you put these together and you put these in your Bible, look how nice and easily this fits in your Bible if it's a regular sized Bible. And then over time, if you come throughout the summer, at the end of the summer, you'll have a practical guide to living out Daniel in your everyday life. At the very bottom of page eight, you'll see there's one more additional uh, aspect of the weekly study, and that is called during the week. During the week, what we can do is look at that passage. Uh, there will be usually a verse or two that comes from the previous, you know, from the chapter, and then a couple comments that relate it to Jesus. Daniel lived about 600 years before Jesus was born, just to put it in historical context. So Daniel's life 
was lived without the knowledge of Jesus. We have Jesus in our life because he came 600 years later, and that's a big difference. But even though Daniel didn't have Jesus, he had the Spirit of God. He worshiped the same God, the Father, that we worship. And so um, there's going to be a couple of points to do where it says, for example, what will you do today to ensure you hear and follow God's truth instead of the world's deceptive voices. That might not make any sense right now, but after the message, it will make sense. And then what is one discipline you need to deepen so you will increase your faithfulness to following Jesus daily? And then there's a prayer focus for the week. And each week, the prayer focus is simple, uh, but it's something that if if we do it every day, uh, it will increase our faithfulness to the Lord. It says, start each day by thanking God for a new day. That's always a good thing to do. And then uh, call on the Holy Spirit to fill you so you will put God first no matter what other people think. And, and there are a lot of different thoughts out there in the world these days, aren't there? So that's what this is going to be. We can turn back, if you will, with me now to um, chapter, or page 6 because we're going to get right into Daniel 1. But I, I want to tell you a little bit. Just a, you, There's some information you can look at at home this week about the background. But Daniel chapter 1, in all of Daniel, according to the English Bible, if you pick up your English Bible, is going to be found in the historic, I mean, the prophetic books. Daniel is a book of prophecy. But in the book of, uh, in the Hebrew Bible, the Bible of the Jews, uh, which they only have the Old Testament, they call it a historical book. It's a book that records the history of the life of Daniel and what's going on during that, that lifetime. And so as we, as we look at Daniel, I want you to know they're both right. It is a book of prophecy. In fact, there's some incredible prophecy in the book of Daniel. It's so much so that the biblical scholars, I guess on a spectrum of things, uh, the, the biblical scholars who are less likely to consider the Bible as literally true or, or who, who think that God wasn't in the business of telling his prophets what was going to happen in the future, they see that what Daniel prophesied in the short term after his lifetime was so accurately described that they believe the book couldn't have been written until after the events happened in 160 B.C. But here at New Life, we trust the Bible, and we don't read into the Bible our biases. We seek to read out of the Bible what's there. And so we believe that Daniel actually lived in uh, 600-ish down to about 537 B.C., and that he prophesies events that would happen in 400, 300, 200 B.C., and also some things that haven't happened yet. And so we're going to look at it that way when we turn to our study of Daniel. So as we move into the book of Daniel, chapter 1, uh, let's look at that take-home point. Again, it's on the top of page 6. And what the take-home point says is, in every era, putting God first goes against the culture. In every era, putting God first goes against the culture. None of us have gone through what Daniel went through. Daniel was in a country that was taken over by another country, and he was taken off to another land. Probably his family was killed before that happened. Then he was taken to the palace of the king of the other country. None of us have ever had an experience like that. But what they tried to do to Daniel when he got to that other country was to basically make him think and act like a Babylonian and to worship the gods of the Babylonians rather than to worship the one true living God. And in our culture today, here in the 21st century, there are many strange ideas out there. There are many people who will get us to seek to believe other things than that Jesus Christ is the one true God, that there is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the reason I titled the message Deja Vu all over again is because while the the circumstances of David's life are much more extreme, And while David was tempted to worship idols that were, you know, sometimes statues 70 feet tall or idols made of wood and stone or even human beings, 
We also have idols that we're tempted to worship today. It's a very similar thing, except our idol that we're mainly tempted to worship is, is in the form of a little green and white piece of paper like this or some intelligent idea that somebody has out there uh, about how things began and, and what's going on and what the meaning and significance of life is. And, and there are other deceptive ideas out there. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to turn to Daniel 1, and we're going to see what the very first test was to Daniel and his friends um, living according to God's will instead of going and, and becoming part of the Babylonian culture. Actually, we're going to meet Daniel and his three friends as well during chapter 1. So before we do that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for your written word, which allows us to look into the lives of people that you touched and touched deeply, lives of people who were faithful and in some cases not faithful, and God, today as we turn to uh, the book of Daniel, we thank you for these four men that we're going to meet who, who remained faithful to you despite circumstances that would have caused so many people, so many of us, to turn against you. And so God, we pray that we'll learn the lessons of Daniel and his friends, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and, and that they will become part of us so that we can become more faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's look at Daniel 1, starting in verse 1. We're just going to read the first couple of verses. It says, During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. A couple of quick things. Number one, we're going to see a lot of strange words in the book of Daniel. A lot of strange names, places, and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to pronounce all of those names very confidently. Whether that's how they are pronounced or not, I have no idea. The reason is because biblical Hebrew and biblical Aramaic, which are two languages of which the book of Daniel is written, it's partly Hebrew and partly Aramaic, are dead languages. That means nobody speaks them anymore. Same with biblical Greek, New Testament Greek. Nobody speaks the language. So nobody knows how they actually said the words. So when I say the word, I'll say it confidently, and I might say it differently during the course of the summer. And you go, Chris, it used to be Ashpenaz. Now it's Ashpenaz. Well, I don't care. It was a guy who lived in Babylon, okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing is much more important. And what we see in these first two verses is that God uses history to carry out his purposes. God uses history to carry out his purposes. If you read that carefully, it might be a little confusing because it says there that during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And look what happened. God, the Lord, the God of the universe, gave not Jehoiakim victory, not the, the king of Judah, the, the nation that God had established, but Nebuchadnezzar victory. Why would he do that? Well, in order to answer that question, we have to go all the way back to the first five books of the Bible, which are called the Torah or the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, because what we find there is that God established a principle. And that principle he established over and over and over again. And here it is. If you obey me, you will be blessed. But... If you disobey me, you will be cursed. Now, the book of Job in the Bible is the first book that shows us that sometimes obedient people also have difficulty in life. You know, bad things happen to good people. 
But what the principle remains true throughout history, if we obey the will of God in our life, if we obey his commands, there will be blessing that comes with that. But if we disobey, there will be curses that come with that. And God had established a people, and eventually they became a monarchy known as Israel. But in, in only a few generations of that nation's history, uh, there was a division in the country. And 10 of the tribes of Israel went uh, and became Israel, the northern kingdom, and a couple remained as Judah, the southern kingdom. Uh, Because of their constant disobedience to God, the northern kingdom was carried off into exile by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. And now we here we are in about 600-ish, I I say 600-ish because about 605 to 597, that was the period when Judah was falling to the Babylonians. And uh, and here's the thing, As as we see what happens um, in, this, in this situation, it, it's amazing. Because, uh, let, me, let me read it, and then I'm, I'm going to say something. Okay, so then the king ordered Ashpenaz, however you want to say that, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. So it's an amazingly strategic plan. Take the best and brightest young leaders from Israel, Judah in this case, from Judah, and bring them into the palace, put them in fine clothes, give them the best food, and then... Teach them the religion and the philosophy and the laws of Babylon. That way they could eventually be brainwashed. That's really what we're reading about here. Let's brainwash them so that they will become us. And they will be leaders and they can give advice to us. Now, let's think about this for a minute. If you were the king or the queen of any place and you took over another country, there are only three things you can do with the people in that country. You can wipe them all out. And actually, King Nebuchadnezzar was known to wipe people out. Uh, He did wipe out many of the people of Judah. Um, The next thing you could do is you could make the people subservient. You could subject them to your rule, but then you'd have to leave soldiers or police in place because, you know, they they would want to rebel against you. Or the third thing you could do is you could do what King Nebuchadnezzar did with these special young men. He, He wanted to convert them. So we can either kill them, we can subject them, or we can convert them. And King Nebuchadnezzar did all three, but as we read, he brought these young men into his palace, and he was, this training program was developed to brainwash them. It's a brilliant plan when it works. So here's what we read next. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. So here we meet the heroes of the, of the book of Daniel. Daniel, Hananiah, at Mishael, and Azariah. These four young men were the brightest that Israel had to offer. They were also dedicated to the Lord. They were committed to serving the Lord. And now they found themselves in this foreign land and in this program of brainwashing. And notice what the first thing is that was done to them. They were given new names. 
That's a very strategic thing. Daniel's name means God is my judge. The name Daniel literally means God is my judge. The new name, Belteshazzar, means Bel or Marduk, protect his life. Now, Hananiah means the Lord shows grace. But Shadrach means command of Aku. Aku is a Sumerian moon god. Mishael means, I love this one, who is what God is. Who is what God is. But they change his name to Meshach, which means who is what Aku is. Do you see what they're doing? And then finally, the name Azariah means the Lord helps, but Abednego means servant of Nego, Nebo, or Nabu. Now, I think that Star Wars got some of their names from the Bible. That's what I think. But anyway, the strategy here is Daniel's name means God is my judge, but every time he heard the name Belteshazzar, he was no longer to think that God is his judge. He was now to think about Bel or Marduk. And in and, and the same way, when Hananiah, who thought God is my grace, now it's, you know, my, my command is Aku. Aku is my commander. So they're trying to switch their allegiance from the God of the universe to the gods of the people that Babylon has conquered, basically. And, and, and as they do this, they hope that Daniel and his friends will become aligned with their kingdom because they want to use their intelligence and their wisdom for their purposes and not for the purposes of God. So it says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youth your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. So Daniel often acted as the spokesman for these four young men. And in this case, he asked a simple request. We don't want to eat the rich foods of the king. Just give us vegetables and water. That's all we want to do. And it actually says that the chief of staff was predisposed with respect and affection for Daniel. It was given to him by who? God, not, not Marduk, not Aku, but the one true God actually intervened in the life of this man so that he would be predisposed to have respect and affection for these four young men. But there was a problem. His name was King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the ruler of everything. And if, if the chief of staff did what Daniel and the other guys wanted and they became pale and thin, then it wouldn't be their problem. The chief of staff would no longer have a head. And we learn a principle here. It's a very important principle. Even when we want to do what's right sometimes, we fear the consequences. And that's where the chief of staff was. He wanted to do what was right, but he was afraid of the consequences. And so Daniel gave him an out. It says, Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. Now, Daniel's suggestion was simple and easily tested, right? 10 days later, just look at us. If we're looking, you know, pale and thin, then we'll go ahead and eat this stuff that we don't want to eat. Uh, and the interesting thing is, Daniel didn't realize it at the time, but what he was suggesting is now called, in our day, a Daniel fast, a Daniel fast is when you only eat vegetables and drink water. And what he didn't know is that, you know, 3,000 years later, somebody would write a book in a small, uh, a small group study guide called the Daniel Plan. 
And it, it is so that we can, you know, separate ourselves for God, but it's also to lose weight. And that wasn't what Daniel had in mind. Actually, Daniel had the opposite in mind. Daniel didn't want to lose weight. Daniel wanted to remain obedient to God. And here's a very important principle we find. Sometimes being faithful to God means simple daily changes. By eating the vegetables and the water instead of the rich food of King Nebuchadnezzar, which represented everything that King, represented, that king was trying to do in their life. I mean, the, the fine clothing, the rich food, the, the religion, all of that was all sort of, for Daniel and his friends, it was all summed up in that, that rich food, you know, the steak and the potatoes and the desserts and the wine. And they said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And I'll bet you any amount of money that when Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah were talking, they didn't call each other Belteshazzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I bet you they used their Hebrew names. They remembered who was their God, and they remembered who they were serving. And, and so the simple test was done, and it says the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. The plan worked. God honored their commitment. Some would say a vegetarian diet is healthier than a diet of meat and potatoes and dessert and wine. And, and I, I'm not going to go there. What I'm going to say is God honored their commitment to him. And, and here's the question. It's, and I always look into these kind of texts and I, I, I like to ask questions that apply to us today. And here's a very important question. Where in our lives are we eating the king's food instead of relying on God's provision? Where in our lives are we eating the king's food instead of relying on the, the Lord's provision? Are we, you know, is it in the TV shows that we watch, the video games that we play, the sporting events and fine arts activities that we're participating in? Is it literally in the food and drink that we eat and drink or the drugs that we take? Now, please hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that, actually, I'm not saying that the king's food was sinful to eat. It was just food, right? Right? But the king's food represented the culture. It represented the religion. It represented King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And so the, the men would not eat it simply because they wanted to remember who they belonged to. So in our daily lives, what is it that's drawing us into the culture and away from God? What is it that's causing us to live lives that become more and more like the king? You see, there's a question, it's, or a statement, I should say. It's my favorite statement that's not found in the Bible. I use it often here at New Life. Haven't used it for a while, but I want to use it right now because I think it really applies to this moment. And that is, the unexamined life is not worth living. The reason I think it's appropriate now is, let's just take a moment. In your mind, take an inventory. Where's the king's food coming into play in your life? You know, in, in what area of your life is it more important? Because here's the thing. If we eat the king's food over and over and over and over again, if we imbibe in the culture in which we live, then it shouldn't surprise us if we start to look more, and like, more like the king in the culture rather than like the God that we're called to serve. So here at New Life, we've summed up all of this. This is Old Testament, but we always like to bring into play when we can a focus point from Jesus' own ministry that sums up everything we're talking about this morning. It's Matthew 6, Jesus said this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the stuff you need will be added into your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added to you. Now, Daniel 
and his friends wanted to put God first. They were seeking God first and his righteousness. And look what happened. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. So here's a question. Do you think that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were naturally ten times more intelligent than the rest of the people in the group? That they were ten times more capable when it came to all these things that the, the king wanted from them than the rest of the I, I don't think so. I mean, all the people in the program, you know, they, they had already all been to Harvard and Princeton and Yale. That these people were the top of the line. So that these four guys from Israel would be ten times better than all the rest, that's a supernatural result of their obedience. God gave them this ability because they were faithful to him. And as a result, the king was impressed. And whenever he had a question, he turned to them instead of to the other people. They remained faithful to God in the midst of this foreign land and serving a king who God, God wasn't for King Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, just because God let King Nebuchadnezzar be used as a tool of judgment against Judah, understand this. Eventually, God is going to judge King Nebuchadnezzar too. So now, Here's the thing that we need to understand. To put it in terms that we just used recently, Daniel and his friends were making 15-year decisions instead of 15-minute decisions. In fact, if you look at the very last verse of Daniel chapter 1, we read this. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. That's way longer than 15 years. Actually, if he came to Babylon in 605 B.C., and he was serving until the first year of King Cyrus, which was 537 B.C. That's 68 years. For 68 years, Daniel served as the advisor, first to King Nebuchadnezzar, then to King Nebuchadnezzar's son, and then to various kings all the way down through King Cyrus. And do you think that when any of those kings came into power that Daniel said, well, I don't think I'm going to serve God anymore. I think I'll serve this king and his gods. Of course not. Daniel served God faithfully. That's why Daniel's life was long. That's why he was blessed. That's why he could interpret dreams and visions. That's why he continued to be the go-to person for every king in every culture that he served throughout his lifetime. And that's the lesson that we learn. If we want to do God's will, we can if we will submit ourselves to him. The interesting thing is Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah didn't have Jesus. We've already said that. We do. Think about that. Daniel and his friends could do what they did without knowing Jesus because their God is God the Father, because the Holy Spirit is always the same and his power is always great. But we now have Jesus. And so when we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord and we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can do what needs to be done in this culture to remain faithful, not to eat the king's food and to drink the king's wine, but to follow the king of kings and lord of lords. 
And, and so that we can put him first, no matter what other people tell us, no matter what other people prompt us to do. So that's why the commitment for today is this. I will put God first, no matter what other people think. I will put God first, no matter what other people think. As we leave this place today, there are a lot of people out there thinking a lot of things that don't have anything to do with being seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. They, they don't have anything to do with Jesus. They don't have anything to do with the life that is truly life that only God can give. Now, all through the summer, we're going to keep going back to the lives of Daniel and these three men, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're going to see them do amazing things. But those amazing things started with a simple act of faith, eating vegetables and drinking water. All of us can do a simple act of faith. The big acts of faith come as a result of multiple examples of being obedient. Take the next step and the next step and the next step of obedience with little acts of faith. So if you don't know Jesus and you're here today or watching online, the first act of faith that you need to take, the first act of obedience is to give the ownership of your life over to him. Let Jesus become Savior and Lord in your life. If you've already done that, if we've already done that, then it's Always going to be simple, never going to be easy, because there's all kinds of ideas out there of what is best, but we're going to put Jesus first, no matter what other people think, in the very smallest of details in our life, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that will produce a life that can withstand, let me give you a little, you know, spoiler alert, the, the lion's den and the fiery furnace, Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have given us the examples that we see here before us of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Men of God, literally men who would not let anything detract or distract them from you. And God, we pray that as we live this week ahead, that we will put you first. That we will put Jesus first in our life, no matter what other people, whether family members or co-workers or people at school or wherever, whatever they think, God. We want to put you first, and we know that will only happen when your Holy Spirit fills and empowers us. So anoint us anew and fresh with your Holy Spirit, God, and let us live our lives moment by moment, one decision and action at a time to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.